0: Hey, I'm Bree Smith. This past November was one year that I've been at Church on the Rock North. I got saved when I was young, maybe seven or eight. Uh, My grandma was a secretary at her church. I would go with her every Sunday and Wednesday. She was so faithful, and she's the one who helped lead me to the Lord. If it weren't for her, I don't know that I'd be in church right now. I think my life would look a lot different. After I got saved, I was kind of just going through the motions. Um, I had a teacher in my seventh grade year who kind of took me and my best friend in and ministered to us and talked to us about God, which is kind of out of line for a teacher, but she, she knew that we needed it, so she did it anyway. Her and her husband were youth ministers at their church, so we ended up being a big part of their youth group for a few years. Now, almost 10 years later, they're like family. I call her kids my niece and my nephew. It's just amazing how God works out it wasn't until she told me about God and witnessed to me that I, that I really came to know God. Growing up, I knew of Him, but it wasn't until that moment in my life that I came to have a real close, personal relationship with Him. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her telling me about Him.
1: We're glad she's a part of our church today. Amen. Amen. And I don't know who next week's story is, but next week we'll, sh- we'll hear a little bit about someone else's story because that's what we've been uh, talking about and just began this month is, is, uh, in fact, our, my, everyone say that with me. Show and tell. Uh, and so it's time we tell somebody. Don't you think it's time we tell someone about the, how Jesus and his story made a difference in our life? Uh, And now we have a story to tell. Everybody has a story to tell. Uh, And you say, well, I'm not very smart. Uh, uh, Well, you're the smartest person in the world to tell your story. Well, I don't know much about the Bible. Well, you don't have to know a whole lot about the Bible to tell how Jesus made a difference in your life. Amen. And so it's time to show and tell. Somebody say show and tell. With that in mind, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture this morning, Uh, We're going to look at Romans 1.16 right there in just a moment. But you began by turning in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 15 and then 2 Timothy. 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Timothy. And while you're turning there, let me continue to give some some helpful hints to you about some things that are are beneficial to you. Number one, this little book uh, by Greg Laurie says, tell someone you can share the good news. It's really true a great little book. Uh, You can get it online and have it at your house probably in 36 hours, Uh, or you can go down to uh, the bookstore and get it. Uh, It's just a simple read, but it really inspires you to tell your story. You have a story to tell. And then also, you'll go to the website. I think it's, um, let's see, tellsomeone.harvest.org. Everyone say that, tellsomeone.harvest.org. Dot org Say it again: Tell someone.harvest.org. If you go there, you can sign up for a six-week uh, training course, online training course on how to tell your story, how to be a more effective evangelist, how to, how to be a personal uh, influence in people's life with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. A couple of things I also want to encourage you to do. I want you to encourage you to begin to pray for me even now uh, and pray over our ministry in India coming up February 20th. Somebody say February 20th. On February 20th, I'll get on an airplane uh, in Houston and fly for 16 hours to Dubai and then from Dubai to Hyderabad, India and from Hyderabad, India to Vazakapatnam. Say that with me, Vazakapatnam. You see, you didn't say it. I know you didn't. I can't hardly say it. I certainly can't spell it. You get off the airplane in visakhapatnam which is right on the uh, Bay of Bengal, get in a van and drive, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes out to uh, Christ for India Ministries out in, uh, there's a region out there, I don't know the name of it, but <coughs> 35 years of ministry out there, Bible school, Bible college, seminary, uh, uh, uh Children's school, orphanage, hospital, all kinds of influence, church planting—it's just a major impact. And we'll be there, sharing uh, with the students, sharing with pastors from all over India. Who'll be there, coming back to celebrate uh, grad past graduates. <coughs> Pardon me. So you keep us in your prayers. It's a big deal because I don't know if you know much about India, but they they don't want preachers and evangelists. And and Christians coming to India anymore? They're trying to run us all out of town. I promise you that. So it's not it's not hostile at this moment, but it's certainly anti. You talk about extreme vetting. I, it took me five hours or more to fill out the visa application online. Uh, it was just uh, I, it was just overwhelming. Uh, and uh, they would ask you all kinds of bizarre questions that how you answered them would determine whether or not they believed you were a Christian or so on and so forth. So, so we got our visa. Somebody say amen. I got my visa and we're headed there uh, in just a couple of weeks. So, you keep us in your prayers. And if you haven't been able to sow a seed towards that, you can do so as well. If you want to give something towards the India trip, uh, I want to bring a special gift to Johnson and his family and Ms. Mary, uh, and and just be a blessing to them financially when we're there. If you'd like to help me do that, we'd love for you to have the opportunity. Just whatever you give, put it on your envelope or your check. Just put India trip, and that'll get the job done. Everybody say show and tell. All right. Romans 1.16. I'm going to give you uh, all all month, if you will, to memorize this. So let's say it together out loud. Here's what Paul the Apostle said to the church uh, in Rome, and to all of us. Here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone. And where was that? 116. Everyone say Romans 116. Let's say it again together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Amen. Romans, man, there's a lot there, and I want you to embrace that this morning. Evidently, Paul said that because there were those uh, among him and those in the church that somehow had become ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, And so, we're we're trying to to get rid of whatever shame might be there and embrace the power of the gospel. Let me just say, if you're born again today, if you have a confidence in knowing that when you leave this planet and you, and, and, and you die here and, and you know you're going to go to heaven with Christ because you belong to Him, you, that happened to you because of the gospel. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father or no one can get to heaven except through Jesus and what He did for us on the cross he died for us on the cross. He paid for our sin with his own blood. Uh, and uh, three days later, he rose again so we could have a new life too. And everybody believe that, say amen. With that in mind, look in 1 Corinthians 15, and let's just show it to you once again. And this, we shared this last week. I want you to get this. I want you to know if you, I want you to know this. If, if you're ever asking, uh, man, what was the gospel, and you know, Just remember 1 Corinthians 15, the first five verses or the first four verses share the gospel. Paul said this, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Somebody say the gospel, which we know is basically two words. What? Good news. Somebody say good news. I'm telling you, it's good news when you realize you don't have to go to hell. I said, it's good news when you realize you don't have to go to hell. Everybody glad they're not going to hell. Say, thank God for good news. I declare to you the gospel which I preached, which I preach to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are what? Saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you first of all, now catch this, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. There it is, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, (coughs) pardon me, according to the scriptures. So there's the gospel. And that's what we've been talking about. And that's what's so important for us to understand and know. Uh, I shared this definition with you. I just, I like it. You can say it however you want to say it, but Rice Brooks, who, who wrote God's Not Dead, a great theologian, by the way. If you've seen the movie, that's good, but you need to read the book. That's better. Here it is. Let's read this together. Rice Brooks' definition of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ, that he lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead proving that he was the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for all who repent and believe. Somebody say amen. That's a great definition of the gospel. You could take a picture of that if you want. It wouldn't bother me a lick. I might think you're taking a picture of me. I might smile. but. Uh, uh, hey, just get that down. Somebody, you need to know the gospel. Your kids need to know the gospel. Your children need to know what the gospel is. They need to know that, that Jesus came from heaven and became a man. He wasn't a man, but he came like a man. He was God in the form of man, and he lived a sinless life. He And he died the death that we should have died. He took our place on the cross, and with his blood, he paid for the sins of all the world. And then He rose again the third day, proving that He indeed is the Son of God, uh, and He lives forever, and He provided an avenue and a way that if we would trust in Him and believe in Him, and, and we would find salvation. How many of you know the gift of God is eternal life? Amen? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We must trust in Him and believe in Him and repent turn from our sin and come to him and walk with him and let him be the Lord and the leader of of our life. That's the gospel. We need to be able to share that, know that, because you can't share your story if you don't know his story. If you can't explain why, you're a Christian. If you can't share his story, you're not going to be able to tell your story. Are you with me? Say amen. So it's important to know his story because your story has everything to do with his story. Without his story, your story is just, uh, uh, just uh, like the Scripture said, a tinkling brass and, a, and a, just some kind of sound that makes no sense. This is what brings sense and clarity to our life is the gospel. Somebody say amen. So with that in mind, that's the twofold fault. We, we have the responsibility in life to not only show the world, but share with the world. Here they are. We are to show the world Jesus by way of the life we live. How many of you know you got to live it as well as share it? How many of you you, you can't say, do as I say and not as I do, right? You have to live it, Uh, and, and we've seen that in a couple of ways. We'll see it again today. But we also have the responsibility to tell the world about Jesus by way of the words we speak. If you go back to 1 Corinthians, what did Paul say? He didn't say, I, I smiled and nodded and lived the gospel before you and you believe. No, he said, I preached the gospel. I proclaimed the gospel. It came out of my mouth, the gospel. And, and because we know Romans 1:16, that power of God came upon them through the preaching of the gospel and they received it and they were born again. Somebody say Amen. People will never be born again by your smiling face. Dope addicts smile every once in a while, for goodness sake. Are you with me? Say amen. Go down to the bar. No, don't do that. If you were to go down to the bar, there'd be all kinds of people, but there'd be some people laughing and happy, and you would think if you weren't careful, they had the joy of the Lord. Do you remember Pentecost. They thought they were drunk. They said, we're not drunk as you suppose. We've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we have the responsibility to show and tell. Somebody say show and tell. Now, I gave you a sad statistic about church and about people and about Christianity. Everybody say sad. And here it is. 90 to 95% of all believers have never led one person to Christ that's sad. Tell your neighbor, that's really sad. Here we are, we have a responsibility to show and tell, and the sad statistics are out 90 to 95 percent. That nearly everybody, by the way, has never led one person to Christ. And let me tell you what I believe God is going to do through you this year. God's going to begin to change that statistic in this church. He's going to begin to change that statistic and he's going to begin to use you to turn that around because understand something, when you begin to tell your story, some people will be born again. You see, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's yes people and there's no people. You've run into it. You think everybody's a no people. I'm telling you, there's a lot of yes people. And let me just say to you, around the world, people are being born again by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, (coughs) pardon me. I'm about over this, but not quite. People are being born again. And I want to tell you, God's going to use you. He wants to use you to tell your story and tell God's story because God's story is powerful. Your story is a complement to His story. And His story is powerful. And when you tell His story, uh, it opens up the opportunity for God's power to be made manifest in people's lives. And we're going to begin to change that statistic. Amen? How many of you? In fact, let's all just lift our hands to God right now and say, Lord, use me this this week, this month, this year to win people to Jesus Christ. Bring me some yes people who are ready to say yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody said, Amen. If you remember Pentecost, Peter gets up as well as the other disciples under the power of the Holy Spirit, he preaches the gospel. And that gospel pierced their hearts. And the Bible says they were pierced in their heart and they said, what must we do? He shared with them what they needed to do and they received. It says they gladly received. That day they gladly received. There was over 3,000 people born again that day. And so that's the power of, of the gospel. And everybody said, amen. So that's where we're headed. And we want to encourage you to begin to tell your story. Go online to that website. Uh, what did I say? Tell someone.harvest.org. Let uh, Brother Greg Laurie, a great evangelist and pastor in California, teach you about how to share your story and how to effectively win someone to Jesus Christ. There's two gentlemen in the room, maybe more, I know at least two, that are avid fishermen. I won't, uh, I won't uh, call any names. Well, maybe I, no, I won't. When they, when, when, uh, let me just say this. When they put me on their Apache fishing team, I might start showing their pictures off in the paper or something. But uh, they know something about catching fish that you have to set the hook. Are you with me? If you don't set the hook, they're liable to get off. You got to set the hook. And I'm telling you, you get online, you watch videos. I'm telling you, these guys, they set not only them, but myself. I tried to teach a guy this one day, he didn't get it. Uh, I said, You got to set the hook. He said, Oh, you're not set there. I said, You got to set the hook. I said, And so I I told him, I said, let me show you how he, I took his hook in my hand and he went out there. I said, start reeling. And he started reeling and I just held on and he, and he didn't put the hook in. I said, see, you just reeling. It ain't putting the hook in nothing. Okay. Now you put the hook in your hand and let me show you how to set the hook. He said, no, I get the point. All right. Let me just tell you, there's gonna be people in your life, let me just, fair warning, you're gonna get, you're gonna, God's gonna give you an opportunity this year, this week, maybe this month, and you're gonna be with people, and you're gonna be right there, and you're gonna go, oh, OMG, what do I do now? You just look them in the eye and say, would there be any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus Christ in your heart right now? Let's all say that together. It's a question. Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart right now? Let's all say that again. Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart right now? Say it one more time. Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart right now? And you'll be surprised how many of them will say, well, no. Well, let's pray together. You've heard the gospel. Now let's pray together. And you just lead them in a, in a simple, what we, we call a sinner's prayer. and Lord, I come to you. I give you my life. I confess you as the Lord and the leader of my life. I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I trust in you. I repent of my sin. I turn from this life and I turn toward you. I invite you into my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. Amen. Man, that's simple. How many of you know that's simple? And so... I just believe that's going to begin to happen. You're going to set the hook and on, on, you're going to come to church with one on the line. And say, look here, preacher. I caught one right there. Look at that. Look at that. Amen. It's going to be fun. Everybody say that. And look at your neighbor. Give somebody a high five. Say, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's turn this tide around. Let's, hey, this is, this doesn't need to be the statistic at Church on the Rock North. And if we do it here, people will do it all over the place. Everybody said one more amen. Now, are you in 2 Timothy? Did you make it to 2 Timothy? I'm not there yet. Let me get there. Let me just tell you about 2 Timothy. You can go to chapter 4 right now, but we're going to kind of look at the beginning in a moment. Uh, Again, 2 Timothy, uh, this ought ought to be uh, a good reading for you, 1 and 2 Timothy, uh, this week, this month. Just look at it from this angle. This angle right here, this book Paul knows his ministry is about over, his life is about over, and he's passing the baton of leadership uh, and authority, if you will, and ministry and the gospel message onto his son in the faith, Timothy. That's what he's doing. And so this this book has everything to do with the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. I'm telling you, Paul was, was working Timothy over about about the importance and the priority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You're not born again because of of just saying, hey, I want to follow God. I think I'll start being a good person. I'm going to be a good person and start trying to do right. Doing good doesn't get you to heaven. Doing good doesn't make you born again. What makes you born again is if you put your faith and trust in jesus christ and what he did for your life and you turn your life over to him to let him be the lord and the leader of your life that what that's what gets you into heaven somebody say amen it's not by being good not by going to church you can't be good enough to get to god on the other side you can't be bad enough for god not to get to you are you with me say amen so paul's turning this over To Timothy, and he's really informing him and empowering him with the priority of God, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to show you chapter four, uh, verse one and two, and then verse five, and then we're going to kind of look at some other verses here, and I'm going to give you three thoughts. Uh, about the gospel that Paul passed on to Timothy and then at the end of this message let me tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to tell you some reasons uh, from a biblical standpoint some reasons why 90 to 95 percent of people have never shared Christians pardon me 90 to 95 percent of believers have never led one person to Christ I'm going to tell you why in just a few moments so uh, so you'll be able to go oh that's why I can change that uh, so that's where we're headed, but here we go. Second Timothy chapter 4. Look what Paul, as he's concluding his last words to Timothy, he said, I charge you. I'm telling you, that's almost like a laying on of hands ceremony. That's like he's got him in the church altar, and he's got his hands on him, and all the deacons and elders around him, and they're, and they're anointing him and appointing him and declaring, oh, I charge you there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom look in verse 2 preach the word somebody say that preach the word tell somebody preach the word preach the word and then he says this be ready in season and out convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables you know what he's telling Timothy hey uh, there's coming a time when it's going to be harder and harder for people to be born again there's a there's there's there is a influence that is coming in the world uh, to to undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, the time's coming when it's going to be harder and harder. So you need to preach the word. Somebody say, preach the word. He said, be ready. Somebody say, be ready. You got to be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And look in verse five. You be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. And do the work of an evangelist. Someone say that with me. And do the work of an evangelist. And then he says, fulfill your ministry. And from that moment, he begins to talk about the fact that he's out of here. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. God's got a crown of righteousness for me. uh, And he's on his way out. And he's passing the baton of the gospel message on to Timothy. Somebody say, preach the word." So it's important for us to show the world Jesus by the way we live our life, but we have to share with the world. We have to tell the world about Jesus by the words we speak, by sharing the gospel. So let me talk about the gospel. Let me give you three thoughts about the gospel that Paul wanted to get across to Timothy in this passing of the baton ceremony. The first one is this, that we have been enlightened by the gospel. Someone say, enlightened. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 1. uh, I'm going to uh, uh, just read a couple of verses here. Let's start down in verse 8. Therefore, here he says it again, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in their sufferings, For the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now follow me. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the what? The gospel. He said, let me tell you what the gospel has done. It's brought life to people who are hopelessly lost and without Christ and dead indeed in their sins. Paul told the the Ephesians, we're dead in trespasses and sins. You see, sin separated us and we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but the gospel came and began to share light into our world and into our life. And I love what he says, an immortality. You see, when you get born again, uh, when the light of the gospel, when the light shines in your heart, have you, do you, can you remember the day when the gospel shined in your heart? When you realize, man, Jesus died for me and the Holy Spirit came and convicted you and you Realized you were separated, but Jesus paved the way so you could be born again. And you realized that all you had to do was give your life to him and turn your life over to his governance and turn from your life and turn towards his life and that you would be born again. How'd that happen? Because the gospel shined light into your heart. What did Jesus say about his own life? I am the what? The light of the world. And so the gospel has the power to bring light into the darkness. In fact, look over in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Take a left. Go with me. Come on, everybody. 2 Corinthians 4.4. Some of you electronic guys can get there before I can turn there. 2 Corinthians 4.4. It says, I wish I could read all of this. Mm. Ooh, ah, Uh, let me just see what time it is. Oh, I better not. Look in verse 5. Oh, no. Verse 4. Oh, no. Verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Boy, that's powerful. You see, if you do not believe, the Bible says your mind is blinded to the gospel. What does it take to be born again? You got to believe. You got to have faith whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest, catch this, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. In other words, if they believe, the light of the gospel begins to shine upon them. He said, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Look in verse six. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, somebody say amen, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's Paul trying to get across to Timothy? trying to let him know listen this gospel has the power to shine light into our life into the dark places of the of this life and 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 paul told the ephesians it says that that the power of the gospel uh, brings it exposes it illuminates things in our life you see you know why some people are lost you know why people are lost because they're in darkness why are they in darkness because they are they were born in sin They're separated from God. But when they hear the gospel, it has the power to bring light into their hearts, to see in the darkness and see what's really going on in their life and their great need for God in their life. Paul told Timothy, he's brought light into our lives and immortality. You can live forever. How many of you know everybody Lives forever. You know, some of you ladies this morning—probably every one of you ladies this morning—you did something this morning beyond everything you put on your makeup. Why'd you put on your makeup? Well, that's just why we we do that. Because we we like to look younger. Because somehow, some way, we we. And I'm not being critical. If if they had makeup for me, and I'd put it on, they just don't have it. I want to look younger too. Maybe I get one of these or one of these. How many of you, when you do a selfie, you go, oh, no, I ain't doing that selfie. Here's where I think I look when I do a selfie. We want to look younger. You know what the inner thing is? We want to live longer. We want to live forever. We want to be young forever. Let me tell you something today. When you give your life to Christ, you're never going to die. In fact, this old body, you know what the old song says? The scripture says, we'll get a new body. Praise the Lord. We'll get a brand new life. Woo. Amen. Somebody say amen. So Paul wanted Timothy to know the power uh, that the gospel has. It brings illumination into the hearts of men. I think of Paul the apostle. When you think of Paul the apostle uh, in his life, uh, he's just out doing what he believed was God's duty, persecuting Christians. And and all of a sudden, what happened? It says a light shone. When Jesus shows up, he brings light. And what did he illuminate? And 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 he said. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. I'm telling you, he got a revelation. The, the light brought revelation into his life. And when you get revelation from the, from the illumination, it'll have, it, it, it has the power to produce a transformation. You can't, you can't go backwards. You can't get transformed and then, and, and then, and then, uh, and make your way back. To, you know, it's illumination that brings forth revelation. Paul realized, man, this is God. I'm persecuting the Christians who, uh, Jesus is real for goodness sake. I'm, I, and, and the Bible says very shortly after that, he went out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and a transformation took place in his life. You see, without illumination, there can be no revelation without revelation there can be no transformation and let me just say this about your own life if you call yourself a christian but there's been no real transformation that should be happening on a daily basis becoming more and more like him you might need to go back and make sure there was some real illumination and revelation about the need for jesus christ in your life come on now that produces transformation. So that's what Paul's trying to get across to Timothy before he passed the baton. And then number two, he said this in a couple of three, four different places about the gospel. Uh, he says, we're entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted. Paul said this in verse 11 of chapter 1 in Second Timothy, he, he after he says he's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, <laughs> he's talking about the gospel, and then he says to which I was appointed a preacher. He said, this gospel that came, I've been appointed as a preacher and a teacher and an apostle to the Gentiles. This is who I am because God appointed me. I am now uh, responsible to share the gospel with everyone I can. We've been entrusted with the gospel. Someone say entrusted. Uh, Go go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Just take a left. Go back to 1 Timothy 1 verse 11. I love this. (coughs) He says this, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. This gospel, how many of you know this? This isn't just indicative of Paul the apostle. This is for for, for all of us who believe. What did What did Jesus say when He left? Go into all the world and make disciples. Are you with me? So we've been entrusted. We've been enlightened. We've been entrusted. Uh, hey, go go take another left and go to First Timothy. Pardon me. First Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, verse four. But we have been approved by God to be entrusted. Someone say entrusted entrusted with the gospel, even so we do what? We do what? Some of y'all didn't turn there, did you? Okay, speak. Somebody say speak. You see... What Paul's telling Timothy is, and and the Thessalonians here, he say, listen, you've been entrusted, therefore, it's got to begin to come out of your mouth. He said, we've been entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but as God who tests our hearts. Everyone say entrusted. That's a powerful term. It's a powerful word. We've been enlightened with the gospel. We now know how to be born again, how to go to heaven, how to be reunited in right relationship with God. But now we've been entrusted with this message. He said, we've been entrusted, therefore we speak. Paul said this, he said, I believe, therefore I spoke. You see, when you say you have faith in Jesus Christ, you listen to me now, I'm telling you something. When you say you have faith in Jesus Christ and you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas, and you say, I am a child of God, we sang that earlier, but it never comes out of your mouth, never comes out of your mouth. I have serious question mark about the validity of what you say. Come on now. Because illumination brings revelation. Revelation brings transformation. And Paul said, hey, this gospel, it illumines some things in our life. And now we've been entrusted with it. And as because we've been entrusted with it, it's got to begin to come out of our mouth. Now, I was a little tough on you. But just swallow the pill. It'll do you some good. Everybody go, thank you, Pastor Sam. Amen. And number three this is kind of where we started. We've been empowered with the gospel. The gospel is powerful. Look in Second Timothy. Go back to Second Timothy. I, I, I purposefully didn't read it all there for you, but look what Paul said in verse 6-7. Follow with me. Oh, gosh. Uh, he says this, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? power and of love and a sound mind therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the what power of God or in harmony with the power of God. Romans 1.16 we read it earlier. It's our keynote verse. It says uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's what Paul told Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because there's power in the gospel. Listen, you, you just need to understand something. Winning people to Christ is not based upon your keen capacity to communicate. It's based upon your, uh, your willingness to share what God has already said and let what he's already said and what he's already done, take over in somebody's life. There is something to be said about convincing people to, to follow God and being being, you know, you you don't, you, know, you know, there is something to be said about giving a good gospel presentation. But understand something, they'll never be born again by your great presentation. They'll be born again when you understand that these words in this book and this gospel that Jesus died for the sins of all humanity, that he rose again the third day so we could have a new life, that gospel has the power to change people's lives. All they have to do is begin to believe it. I believe. It's powerful. I love what Acts 4:33 says. You don't need to turn there, but it says basically this: And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They just didn't give witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They did it with great power. Where'd they get the great power? Of course, they had the Holy Spirit, but it's the they're talking about the gospel here. With great power, they gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you know, if you and I will begin to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, there'll be great power. Amen. Whew. So we've been enlightened with the gospel. What else? We've been entrusted with the gospel. And we've been empowered with the gospel. So why, for goodness sake, is there such a gross lack of sharing the gospel? Why, for goodness sake, is there such a, why to ni- are 95 and 95% of all believers, why have they never shared the gospel and won one person to Christ? I gave Beverly a new revelation that I got this morning. I, I'm going to prove it out, but I'll just, I'll work it on you. Here it is. Here's my, here's my thought for the day concerning this question. A lack of something is probably the evidence of a lack of something else. That's not in your notes here, but you could ponder this. A lack of something is probably a lack of something else. Let me, let me give you illustration. You have a hard time loving people. You have a lack of love in your life for other people. Well, the narrow perspective would be just to come and say, well, you better start loving somebody. But if you look at your most, look at, at people who, when they, when they have a hard time loving somebody, they just always, you know, turning people away and they're, the lack of love, There's probably, the reason there's a lack there is probably because there's a lack of something else. Maybe it's a fact that somebody somewhere down there, down their life rejected them and didn't love them. Maybe they had an unloving family. And so there's, they lack love in their life. So therefore they don't know how to love in their life. Let me give you another one, a lack of money. Well, it's just a lack of money. I need more money. I need some, God, I need some more money. There may be a lack of understanding about about tithing and giving. You want to keep going? You want to keep going? That's just my thoughts. If there's a lack somewhere, it's probably because and that's probably the evidence of that lack is because it's the, it's the outcropping of because there's a lack of something else somewhere else you think about that this week and if you think i'm wrong help me i'm going cuz i may I'm, i may work that thought up this morning but i'm going to show it to you in this way why is there such a gross lack of sharing The gospel of Jesus Christ, we've been enlightened with the gospel, we've been entrusted with the gospel, we've been empowered with the gospel. Paul understood there was some lack. That's why in the Romans he said, don't be ashamed. That's why Timothy said, don't be ashamed, because there were some things in people's life that were hindering them from sharing the gospel. Are you with me? And I just got a couple of minutes. I'm going to walk through 2 Timothy with you and I'm going to show you what I think is lacking that causes us, th- causes there to be a lack of the sharing of the gospel. Here's some things that are lacking that, that are made evidence in the church. By a lack of sharing or a lack of sharing in our own life. Number one, why is there a gross lack of sharing the gospel? Why do 90 or 95% of people, uh, believers, not share the gospel? Because there's probably a gross lack of anointing. People are not walking in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul told Timothy in 1st Timothy, pardon me, 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. He said, he said, stir up the gift of God which is in you, 6 and 7, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Somebody say, stir it up. I'm going to tell you, we just need to get the anointing of God on our life and quit letting fear and intimidation and and, and those kind of things come on our life and just stir up the anointing of the Holy Ghost in our life. What happened when the church got the anointing? They started preaching the gospel with power. Amen. Man, the first thing you need to do in the morning as you're getting Folgers in your cup is stir it up. And I'm not talking about the coffee. Stir it up. Somebody say, stir it up. stir it up. Hey, you want to sound like a Pentecostal preacher? Some of you look at me John. look at somebody, get that rasp Stir it up in Jesus' name. Stir it up. You want me to come sh- lay hands on you? Suddenly I will, but I'm going to tell you in the morning, I won't be there. I believe the the reason there's a gross lack of sharing is because we don't get up and get the anointing of the Holy Ghost on our day and get full of the Holy Ghost and stir it up. Look at somebody in the eyeball and say, you can even look mad if you want because I'm kind of ticked off too. Look at somebody and go, stir it up. (laughs) All right, you can stop now. The reason, let me see. Oh, I better hurry. I got four minutes. The second one is this. The reason there's a gross lack of sharing the gospel is because there's probably a gross lack of understanding. People just don't understand what I've been sharing with you. In fact, look, look in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7 and 8. Look what Paul said. He tells Timothy, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And then he says this, remember, cool, that's, we had communion today. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to the gospel. He said, you got to understand this. you got to remember this. You, You need understanding in all things. But let me tell you one thing. You better get down deep on the inside because if you don't get it down in you, if you don't understand this, that, hey, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. According to this gospel I've been preaching, gross lack of understanding. Number three, the reason there's a gross lack of sharing is probably because there's a gross lack of believing. That's how we're born again, but we ought to, we, we need to walk by faith. Here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 12. He said this about his own life. He said, for this reason, I suffer the, the, these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. In other words, I'm not hindered by in my life concerning the gospel. I don't have anything to be ashamed of. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What he's saying here, man, I, I'm resting firm in the fact of whom I have believed in. I know him personally and I have great understanding in my life about who he is and what he's done for me and I trust in him and I rely upon him. I believe in Him, for goodness sake. Are you with me? Say amen. And then number three, probably because there's a gross lack of preparing or sanctifying next, I think. Yeah, sanctifying. I changed that in the PowerPoint, but not in, in my notes here. A gross lack of sanctifying. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Look what he says right here. He says this. He says, Therefore... Timothy, if anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, he's talking about a, a lifestyle that is, that is not good and healthy and holy. He said, but if you, if anyone cleanses himself from the ladder, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You see, uh, the the reason there may be a, a people who are walking in shame about the gospel uh, and, and they're ashamed of his name is because they're ashamed of how they're living their life, that they're not walking in a lifestyle that is, is honorable and acceptable to God. And so therefore, because I'm not living it, I can't be sharing it. But I want to tell you something. We have a huge responsibility. We've been entrusted, and we got to live the life, and we got to begin to separate ourselves and sanctify ourselves uh, uh, and be, Become a vessel of honor, useful, and prepared for the master's work. Then he just tells Timothy, let me just make it simple for you. Flee these things. Flee youthful lust, and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. He's talking about how you sanctify. So let me tell you something. Sanctification doesn't happen in the altar on one Sunday morning. It happens every day when you're living your life. It's a process. You see, we're justified uh, instantaneously by the power of the gospel, but we're sanctified daily by the choices we make. Look what he says. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, you see, Jesus forgives us of our sins. Somebody say amen. But then we have the choice now to choose whether we're gonna keep sinning or not. You see, before you gave your life to Christ, am I losing y'all, am I getting boring? All right, I just wanted to check. Some of you looked a little haggard around the edges here. Hang tough with me. Hey, then we have a daily responsibility to choose how we're gonna live our life. Before you were born again, you were a slave to sin. We sang it a few moments. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And sanctification has everything to do with our choices. He says, you sanctify yourself. You cleanse yourself. I thought Jesus cleansed me. He does but we cooperate with what He's done by our daily choices. That's what verse 22 is all about. Hey, Timothy, so just start running from this junk. Flee! Everyone say, flee! Amen? You see, there's a gross lack of sharing because there's a gross lack of sanctifying. And then there's a gross lack of preparation or preparing. That's what he said there prepared for the every good work but if you look up in verse 15 what does he tell Timothy he says this but be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth he's saying you got to be prepared what did what did uh, he say to him just a little bit later be ready somebody say be ready Chapter four, verse two: Be ready in season and out of season. Always have your guns loaded. Always have the gospel ready in your life. You never know when you may stumble. You know, most of us don't come in contact with yes people on purpose. They just uh, stumble into our life. And if if you stumble into the into an interaction with a with someone who's lost but is a yes person, you got to be ready. You got to be in season and out of season and ready to share the gospel. Amen. And then finally, the last reason I see here in Scripture why there's probably a gross lack of sharing is because if you get right down to it, there's probably a gross lack of caring. We just don't care. We've been watered down, pacified, homogenized to the point we don't care about other people. Look what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 24. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach in patience, in patience, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps would grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You know what Paul's saying to Timothy right there? You got to care about people. It's not about a scorecard. Well, I'll I shared with somebody that I might get marking your brownie points. It's about looking at a world that is lost and without Christ, realizing that without them, they're going to go to hell. Without Jesus, and caring enough to serve them and be gentle with them, teach them, and in humility correct them and share with them the good news of the gospel so they can come to their senses. Here's what you need to know about lost people. Lost people can be frustrating, but you know why they're frustrating? They're lost. Those lost people, they're so they're so. mean. Those lost people, they're so rude. Those lost people, they just cuss and smoke and chew and go with the girls who do. Oh, my God. They can't help it. They were born that way. They're lost. And they need to be born again, but they'll never be born again unless somebody shows them that they care and gets in their boat and loves on them. I was on a trip in Mexico with a gentleman who I call, I, I, I'm not a judge, he's about half saved. Knew a lot about water wells and stuff and one of our friends brought him. I don't You can't be half saved. But I didn't question his, his, his uh, salvation. I questioned his theology a lot uh, in my own heart. But my goal with him that week was just to show him and care about him, and if I could share with him a little bit. We're able to do some of that. And even though and we and we differed on politics, but he knew I didn't get I didn't let politics keep me away from caring for him and being his friend. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you cared. And why do ninety or ninety-five percent of people? Have they, the Christians never really led anybody to Christ? Because there's some lacks in our life. We just need to be better. No, we need to stir up the anointing. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Stir up our faith and begin to believe God's going to use us. Began to embrace the revelation of the gospel and understand and begin to sanctify our lives and prepare our lives and begin to care for people. That's what Paul's telling Timothy right here. I'm about to give you this baton. You can't be ashamed. Let's stand together. Jesus, thank you for the word of God. Lord, let us examine ourselves. Look at the lackings in our life. And Lord, if we fall into that 90 to 95% percentile, we just pray, Lord, that lack in our life, we'd begin to fill it with a fresh anointing, a fresh faith fresh understanding and a lifestyle of sanctification prepare ourselves mentally, emotionally and spiritually and be ready to share the gospel Peter said always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within us God let us care for people who are lost let us love them and care for them let us care about their eternal security. Let us care about the lostness of their families. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now, before we leave this morning, I know it's right up noon. Take somebody by the hand across the aisle. Let's cross out. If you don't know those across the aisle, if you're a first time guest with us, just bear with me a second. Grab somebody's hand, even though it's a stranger. Oh, my gosh. They may have cooties. Just grab somebody's hand. Let's just pray that this week, come on. Come on, it's okay to move. There you go. Father, we agree together. Lord, as I said, as we began this service, I sense something's going on behind the scenes. And I thank you this week, Lord, that, you're, you've impo- that you, you will empower us with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we would let the power of the gospel loose, Lord God. And Lord, we'd loose the noose on our lips. We'd begin to share the word of the Lord. God, you'd fill us with understanding and caring and faith and anointing. And Lord, let us, Lord God, love people enough to share your story and how your story has shaped our story. Give us opportunity together. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, squeeze that hand and say, God bless you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.